Tina, if you would turn there. Um, Jim up in the balcony was, was motioning like this. I had no idea what he was doing. Um, but uh, I forgot an announcement, actually two announcements. Next week, we're going to be having a baptism before the weather really turns. And so we have our little tank out there, little pool thing. And if you have not been baptized, you'd like to be baptized, you've placed your faith in Christ, next week would be a great opportunity to do that. Following the second service, we're going to go ahead and just provide lunch for the folks. So we encourage the first service to come back if they want. And you guys, of course, will be here. And so we'll just have chicken or whatever, and and that will be provided by the church. So just so you could um, kind of mark that in your memory. Well, we are in Mark's gospel. And our text today is right after what we left off with last week, and that's verse 14. You'll note if you have the red letter edition that all of these words are in red because Jesus spoke these things. These are the words of Jesus. And so verse 14, it says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, Let him who is on the housetop not go down into his house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter, another Matthew tells us, or on the Sabbath. For in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of creation, which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord had not shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is a Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false Prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. And Father, as we always pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that's open to your word, Lord, we pray that you'd please speak to us from your scriptures. Lord, thank you that you love your children and you reveal things before they happen so that when they happen, we may know for sure that you are God. So teach us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, guys, I've said it and I say it quite often. I believe that we are the most blessed generation of the church because I believe that we are the generation living before the coming of our Lord. And I can't imagine a more exciting time to be alive. Now, I say this knowing that for many professing Christians and many people who go to churches and many pastors and many churches, they don't even touch Bible prophecy, eschatology. They don't touch it for various reasons. And so a lot of people, a lot of Christians are kind of unaware. It's almost like the greatest event that could ever happen, and they're unaware of it. I was listening this morning just a little bit. I didn't even listen to the whole thing, but it was a fellow. You might have seen him. I don't know his name. He's from the UK, 
and he was talking about um, some American um, visitors, travelers in the UK, and it was the Queen, you know, we know that she just died, and her bodyguard, and they were walking in the woods, and these American tourists uh, were talking to them, where are you from? And the Queen, they didn't recognize the Queen, the Queen said, oh, we're from London. And uh, they said, have you ever met the Queen? And she said, no, I haven't. And then she pointed to her bodyguard. She says, but she's with the king, uh, the queen all the time, you know. And so anyway, as the story goes on, they had the queen, who they did not know was the queen, take a picture of themselves and the bodyguard because they wanted a picture of someone that was close to the queen. The fellow went on to say that that's really what's happening. Many times we miss the forest for the trees. Jesus is coming back, and there are many people that are oblivious to the fact that Jesus is at the door. He's near. And Jesus, of course, because he wants us to understand these things, to know these things, he speaks of these things. He spoke of these things. Excuse me. Our text today begins with events that will take place in the middle of the tribulation. In the middle of the tribulation. Now, guys, we know that the tribulation is seven years, and we'll see that in a moment. I'll, I'll show you some scriptures to back that up. But we know that the tribulation will be seven years, and that seven years will be broken in half. There's the first three and a half years, and there's the final three and a half years. And so Jesus said, so when you see the abomination of desolation. So the question we need to ask is, who is he speaking to? You guys know who he's speaking to. He's speaking to his disciples. The disciples had asked three questions. He's answering their questions. So we need to ask, so was he saying, when you, disciples, when you see the abomination that causes desolation? No. You say, how do you know? Because he tells us that in the text. Actually, Jesus doesn't tell us this, but Mark tells us this. Look down. Toward the bottom of verse 14, let the reader understand. You note that those are not red letters. Jesus was not speaking this. This is Mark's commentary on what Jesus was saying. Let the reader understand. When you see, who? When you see those living in Judea at the time that these things take place, when you see the abomination of desolation, this is what you need to do. You say, why are you... So dogmatic about this, because guys, there's a, there's a fog, there's a misunderstanding when it comes to Bible prophecy, because people don't carefully just take the scriptures, read the scriptures, study the scriptures as they read, and so there's great confusion. So what is the abomination that causes desolation? The abomination that causes desolation is the desecration of the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount by Antichrist. Now I'm emphasizing that because if you've been reading or listening to different teachers, you know that they're suggesting, some are suggesting that the temple did not sit on the Temple Mount, but that it sat down in the city of David. Of course, it wouldn't be large enough. The city of David wouldn't have been large enough to hold the temple at that time. But there's controversy, and the controversy is, well, the temple needs to be rebuilt. There's no temple there in Israel at this time. It hasn't been there for 2,000 years. 
So it needs to be rebuilt. How could it possibly be rebuilt on the Temple Mount with all of these mosques, the Dome of the Rock there on the Temple Mount? It's impossible. And so some say, well, actually, it was down here, so it could be rebuilt at any time. It will be rebuilt on the Temple Mount right where it was sitting when Solomon built it. Now, guys, Daniel, keep your hand here in Mark, and let's turn to Daniel chapter 9. Or you could just mark it down or look at it later. Daniel chapter 9. As you read Daniel chapter 9, you see that Daniel was told that there would be 77-year periods of time, 490 years was decreed for Israel to accomplish six things. And we have those things listed in the chapter that I'm referring to. But then you get to verse 25, and it says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Now guys, this is so intriguing. I, I hope that you get this. There's a reference point. Daniel. He's a captive in Babylon. He's a Hebrew. He's in Babylon. He's been reading the book of Jeremiah. From the book of Jeremiah, he realizes that the captivity is not going to last forever. The captivity is going to last for 70 years. And they're coming to the end of that 70 years. 70 years of captivity because Israel owed the land 70 years of sabbatical arrest years. Because they didn't trust God, they didn't let the land rest as they should have. So 70 years are outside the land. The land is going to get that, you know, year after year after year for 70 years, the land is going to rest. And so he says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Or... 69 weeks. How many weeks? How many seven? Seven-year periods of time are decreed? 70. So at the 69th seven, Messiah would be cut off. Look what it says. He goes on. He says, the street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome time. And after the 62, but the seven comes before the 62, so the 69 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, literally crucified, but not for himself. Guys, this is Bible prophecy. This is Bible prophecy spoken and fulfilled from our perspective. What is he referring to? This is why we need to be good students of the word of God. He's referring to the captives returning from their Babylonian captivity, back to Israel, back to Judah, to Judea, back to the, you know, the destruction that was left there by the Babylonians. And we know that there was an individual by the name of Nehemiah. Remember, he was a cupbearer of the king. Nehemiah, he hears about the condition of the city. He knows that, that Hebrews are starting to return back to the homeland, and he has this longing to return. For what reason? So that he might be a part of rebuilding the walls and the gates of the city to protect the returning captives in their homeland. And so he does. He goes back. He goes back, and the opposition to the rebuilding is so severe that they had to have guards watching over the workers. 
you kind of got the picture at, at some, you know, as you read the book of Nehemiah, that there were, you know, men working with a weapon in one hand and a tool in the other hand. And this was spoken of right here in Daniel. The street shall be built again and even the, and, and the wall, excuse me, even in trouble sometimes. So this was prophesied. This was fulfilled. Then he talks about Messiah being cut off. That was prophecy. Messiah had not come at that point in time. Messiah came, Messiah was cut off, Messiah was crucified. Then he goes on. He says, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with a flood. Till the end of the war, desolations are determined. If you were here last week, we looked at this last week, when we looked at the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. Remember, as Jesus was leaving the, the temple there and his disciples came up to the him and said, oh Lord, look at these magnificent stones, you know. And remember what he said, I tell you, not one stone will remain upon another. Guys, this is secular history. I mean, you learn this in, in your public schools, you know, that we know General Titus uh, went in, sacked the city. They destroyed the temple. They took stone off of stone to get to the gold that had melted down between the stones. This was prophecy spoken and fulfilled. It goes on, verse 27. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. How long? Seven years. Who is this? It wasn't Titus. Titus never made a covenant with anybody. Titus went in, he destroyed, he did what he did, and then, you know, they, they went on. This is speaking of the Antichrist. And this is where we get to the abomination that causes desolation. Look what it says. But in the middle of the week, three and a half years, in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on a wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. You could turn back to Mark if you would. Last week, when we began our study in the Olivet Discourse, we saw that Jesus was answering the question that his disciples had. When they had heard that the temple would be destroyed, they wanted to know, well, when, when will this happen? What's going to happen, you know? Again, from our perspective, history, 70 AD, past tense. But our text today, the abomination that causes desolation, is speaking of something that will happen on the Temple Mount in the rebuilt temple of the Jews. Now, you might be here and you might say, what are you talking about? I hope that you're not unaware of what's happening. Do you know that there's been the Temple Institute for a long time in Israel? You could go there if you go to Israel. You'd like to go there. You'd want to go there. And you could see how the Jews, the religious Jews, many Jews are not religious, but many of the religious Jews have been working toward what's needed for the worship of the temple. There is no temple, but they believe that one day the temple will be rebuilt. 
And so you could go to the Temple Institute there and you could see all of the things. They've made the priest garments and, and the trumpets and the menorah and all of these different things. In fact, just last week, the United States sent five red heifers to Israel. Did you know that? Five red heifers to Israel. Uh, they've been working on this for quite some time because you need the red heifers for the consecration of the priest. And for a long time, you know, they've been struggling with that, dealing with that, and apparently they've solved the problem. They're on their way. Just last week I heard that Israel is actively building, and they've been building for quite some time, uh, a train uh, uh, from Tel Aviv. So you fly into Israel, you're going to fly into Tel Aviv. And uh, from Tel Aviv to the Temple Mount, a train, so that you could get there. They're planning on uh, transporting hundreds of thousands of people to the temple. There is no temple. There is no temple. But they believe that there will be a temple. In fact, many Jews, if you were to go to Israel today and if you were there and you were asking Jews, you know, are you religious? So yes, you know. What do you think of the temple? Most of the Jews would probably say to you, we believe that when Messiah comes, Messiah will rebuild the temple. Well, that leads to some speculation on our part. Because we wonder, you know, will Antichrist be the one who actually rebuilds the temple? It appears that for a time, they will think that this is their Messiah. And they will believe that he is their Messiah until an event happens and then they realize they've been deceived what is that event the abomination that causes desolation more on that in a moment now there are some that teach they say well no 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 this is past tense all of this all of these red letters you know they've all been past tense they were prophesied yes but they were fulfilled long ago and some would say these events were were fulfilled by Antichus Epiphanes. Antichus Epiphanes, the Grecian, he, he plunders Jerusalem. He outlaws Jewish worship. He replaced it with Greek worship. He outlawed the observance of Sabbath and circumcision and the reading of scripture. Antichus burned whatever scripture he could find and he set up an idol in the temple it was actually an idol of Zeus or Satan, as you would see that. And he rededicated the temple of God to this idol of Zeus. And he himself claimed to be God in the flesh. So you say, well, wait a minute. That sounds like the abomination that causes desolation. That was an abomination that causes desolation. But it was not the abomination that caused desolation. You say, now you're confusing me. How do we know that it was not the... Let me grab something here. Excuse me. How do we know that that was not fulfilled by Antichus Epiphanes? This is why. Because Jesus said, hundreds of years after Antichus, when you see... The abomination. Are you following this? See, Jesus didn't say, I want you to look back and I want you to consider what was done hundreds of years ago. No, he says, when you see. Who? Uh, 
let the reader understand, those who are in Judea at the time, let them understand. It's something that's coming. It's a future event that's coming. The Antichrist. You might be here and say, oh, brother, how ridiculous. I don't know how anyone could think that if you're paying attention to what's been happening in our world globally, not our country, but the world for the past two years. We have blindly complied to things we never should have complied to. We have been like sheep led to the slaughter in so many ways. And the momentum is continuing. And I'm telling you, we haven't seen the end of it. We've seen just the tip of the iceberg here. More is coming. But in Revelation chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, it says this, and he... And if you're looking at the context, I know you're not there, but if you look at the context, you'll see that the he is speaking of the false prophet. The Bible says that there will be the false prophet and there will be the Antichrist. That he, false prophet, deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast. This is how the Bible, this is how God sees Antichrist. Now I need to clarify this because... You know, you might be thinking, who would ever worship someone named the beast? No one's going to worship anyone named the beast. This is God's reference. If you want to see what the world thinks about him, then look at what the world or what Daniel speaks of. He's marvelous. He's wonderful. He, he has this mouth and he speaks pompous words, you know, but, but he's going to be Mr. Wonderful. He's going to bring peace on the earth. The rulers of the world today are, are asking for such a leader to come upon the scene, to unite, to bring peace. But it goes on, it says, in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. Apparently, he'll, he'll have an experience somewhat like Jesus. You know, he's a counterfeit. And so he's going to have some event that, that makes it look like he has this miraculous healing or resurrection, perhaps. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. By the way, that is the abomination of desolation. He will set on a wing of the temple an image. And humanity will have to bow down and worship this image. You say, how ridiculous. This is so crazy. I encourage you all the time to be students of the word of God because if you're familiar with the word of God, you're saying to yourself, it's happened. This is not something that hasn't happened in the past. Remember Daniel, captive in Babylon, trained to be one of the wise men, one of the uh, you know men in the know in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, who was given authority by God, though he's a pagan, given authority to take the Hebrews into captivity. He has a dream. The dream troubles him. He calls in his soothsayers and mad, you know, men in the know, and, and he says, I've had a dream. And they said, no problem, king. Tell us the dream. We'll give you the interpretation. You know, I'm sure that we can come up with something that sounds legit. You know, And, and he says, no, that's not how it's going to go. This is how it's going to go. You tell me what I dreamt, and then you give me the interpretation. 
And they said, oh, king, live forever. You've got to be out of your mind. No one could do something like that, you know. And then they started killing off all those men that were supposed to be in the know. And remember what we see in the book of Daniel. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they go to prayer. They begin to pray. And the Lord gives Daniel the dream and the interpretation of the dream. And so he goes before the king. And he tells him the dream, and he gives him the interpretation. He says, you, O king, are the head of gold. But after you comes an inferior nation, actually a dual nation, the Medo-Persian. And then after them, the Grecian. And then after them, the Roman, the two legs. And then he mentions something that's yet future, the feet of iron, partly of iron and partly of clay. That's yet to be fulfilled. Guys, I hope you're paying attention to this. This is history. I mean, do you get, get a secular book from the library. You don't need a Bible. What followed the Babylonian? Medo-Persian. What, happened, what followed the Medo-Persian? The Grecian. What followed the Grecian Empire? The Roman. This is history. And yet it was spoken before any of these nations were really, you know, doing what the Lord said that they would do through this prophecy. And so how does Nebuchadnezzar respond? He erects a statue, an image, and it's all gold. What is he saying? And it's defiant. I am Babylon, and we will never cease to exist. And you look at the measurements, which is interesting. The measurements of that statue. The sixes, that's kind of interesting. And he says, when we play, you know, the flute and, the, and all these different instruments, you need to bow down, you need to worship, you know, and if you don't, you'll be killed. And, and we see a foreshadow. Guys, Bible prophecy has a near and a far application many times. You see something, it's near. This is like, but this is not the full fulfillment. The far is the full fulfillment of what the Lord said would come to pass. The Lord reveals things before they come to pass. Well, let me finish the verse. I'm still reading the the. the second verse here he gives breath to the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed doesn't sound like a pleasant time during the middle of the tribulation paul gives us more information he says in second thessalonians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 that that day will not come And that day, if you look at the context, it refers to our gathering together to him, rapture of the church. That day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin, that's Antichrist, is revealed and the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple and showing himself that he is God. That's the abomination of desolation. Jesus says, when you see this, when you see this, if you're in Judea, if you're a Jew in Judea, and you see this in the rebuilt temple, you need to flee. You need to get out. Now, of course, there needs to be a rebuilt temple, and there will be a rebuilt temple. I think it's interesting. You know, Jesus said, 
He said, I've come in my father's name and you did not receive me. He said this to the Jews. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. (laughs) And they will. They will receive Antichrist for a time until they see the abomination that causes desolation. And then they know. Now, Daniel gives us some further insight. Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. He says, and from the time of the daily sacrifices, or that the daily sacrifice is taken away. So you got temple, and the temple, they're going to be sacrificing. Have you noticed, this has nothing to do with the church. And that's why you might be saying, why are we even studying it? Because Israel is the time clock. And this is why many Christians don't know which end is up when it comes to the days in which we're living. Because they, they think, Israel, what Israel? You know, I don't care about Israel. I don't care about Jews. I don't, I don't, why should I care about them? Because they're the time, they're the clock, they're the calendar. This is dealing with Israel. These are things pertaining to Israel. And if we're seeing things pertaining to Israel getting closer, we know that our time of departure is nearer than I think many of us expect. And that's something to rejoice in. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 11, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. So, the Lord's saying, listen, I want you to know, because I want, I, I want my children to know these things. That the abomination of desolation, when that's set up, the end is determined. And it will be a little over three and a half years. How much over? 45 days. What happens in that 45 days? I have no idea. But guys, do you see a pattern here? Bible is exciting. Most Christians look like we're sucking lemons. When we talk about Bible, it's like, you know, whatever, you know. And I'll tell you, it is God's love letter to us so that we might see it and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for revealing these things to us so that we could be excited about these things. What's What's the goal of being excited about these things? That we might do what the Lord has called us to do, and that is evangelize people because people are going to hell because they have not placed their faith in Christ. So if we understand the urgency of the time in which we live, you see what I'm saying? It, it spurs us on to really be active in sharing the gospel. The desolation, it's going to affect the people in Judea first and foremost. It's, it's going to be known throughout the world, but it's not going to affect everyone in the world. It's going to affect those Jews, and we know it's Jews because pray that your flight does not happen on the Sabbath. Sabbath doesn't mean anything to us. Most Christians don't even know what Sabbath is. Most Christians, because of the churches that they have attended, they think that Sabbath is Sunday. Sabbath is never Sunday, will never be Sunday. That's not Sabbath. That's the Lord's Day, according to the scriptures. Sabbath is Friday evening, sunset, till Saturday evening, sunset. That's Sabbath. Do you see what I'm saying, guys? So we look at it and we say, who is it speaking to? Is it speaking to the church? We have so many people that say, I think we're just going to go through the tribulation. We're going to make it through. You know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a rough go, but we'll, we'll, we'll make it. We'll just knuckle down. Have you read the book of Revelation? <laughs> Do you see the things that are coming? It's going to be hell on earth. Jesus said, 
Flee to the mountains when you see these things. And it's believed that the place where they will flee will be Petra. We have two of our young guys in Israel, as many of you know, and they're there for three months. They are studying scripture and they are traveling around Israel. And uh, I just talked to my grandson. My grandson's one of them, Amos. And I said, how's it going? He says, well, we're doing good. He says, tomorrow we're going to Caesarea. And um, it's been such a blessing for them to be in the location where many of these things that we read in the scripture took place. But they're also going to Petra. Because when the church set up this thing, uh, there was an option if they could go to, you know, if they wanted to go to Petra. Or, or, and we said, they got to go to Petra. Now, you guys know Petra is not in Israel. Petra is in Jordan. So it's in the country of Jordan. It's not in Israel. And Petra is, and you might be saying, what is Petra? Did you ever see Raiders of the Lost Ark or the second one, whatever that was? And they showed, and the guy was in, you know, the city, the stone city. That was, that's Petra. They go through the tall mountains and everything. That's Petra. And we know that Petra will somehow be protected from the Antichrist. Did you know that? And it says, he shall also enter the glorious land. Glorious land would be Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown. And these shall escape from his hand. Here they are. Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. First time I went to Israel, we flew into Ammon, Jordan, and uh, drove across into Israel. And it was, it was intense, even though Jordan is friendly with Israel. Every border stop, you know, it was very intense. Any man that had a beard, they'd pull him aside and question him about that. And, and uh, I didn't have a beard back then, but... Um, and they and and finally, you know, we we go over the Jordan River. I mean, it's like this little little dinky bridge, you know. I mean, probably not as long as this short little sanctuary that we're gathering in. And you go across it, and you see the Israeli flag flying. And an Israeli soldier comes up and he says, "What are you guys so tense? Why are you so tense? Rejoice! You're in Israel." <laughs> you know, ah, you know, and it was quite a difference between the two places. Listen, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 14, we see the woman represented by believing, the believing remnant of Israel. They shall flee into the desert. Let me read the scripture. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for, for how long? For a time and times and half a time. How long? For three and a half years. Abomination caused desolation midpoint. How long until the tribulation is over? Three and a half years. Guys, it's intriguing. Isaiah chapter 63. We see the Lord coming from Bozrah. Bozrah is a region of Petra. And this is what it says. Isaiah chapter 63 verses 1 through 4. I have trodden the winepress alone. And from the peoples no one was with me. 
for I have trodden them in my anger and trampled them in my fury. Their blood is sprinkled upon my garments, and I have stained all my robes, for the day of vengeance is in my heart. That's scary, but it doesn't stop there. It says, and the year of my redeemed has come. And many believe that the Lord will do this prior, just before, you know, entering Jerusalem at his second coming. Jesus tells us that the tribulation, verse 19 of Mark, for in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of creation, which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. Did you hear that? Daniel tells us that the tribulation will be a time like no other since there's been a nation of Israel. And you said, because Daniel was writing to Israel. But Jesus, as he, as he makes his statement, you say, he, Jesus is saying, listen, you, you, there's nothing you can compare tribulation to. Nothing. Nothing. For the Jews, Holocaust, no, it's going to be worse than Holocaust. Really, Lord? Yes. It's going to be a horrible time. It's going to be a time where you do not want to be here. And I'm telling you, you don't have to be here. The duration of the tribulation is cut short. We see that in verse 20. Unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake whom he chose, he shortened the days. Guys, God is faithful. God keeps his covenant. God made a covenant with Israel long before there was ever a church. And if you buy into the lie of replacement theology, that the church has replaced Israel, you're going to be so confused when it comes to Bible prophecy. You're going to insert the church into the tribulation. You're going to insert the church into all these prophecies that pertain to Israel. The church is the bride of Christ. Israel is, if you will, the wife of Christ. I mean, using some of these Old Testament, uh, you know, idioms that we have. God is not done with Israel. Paul wrote in his letter to the Romans. He says, listen, Israel, they have, they have been cut off for a time. For what reason? Because of unbelief. He says to the Gentiles, he says, listen, don't, don't be prideful. Don't be boastful. You need to understand that their disbelief, because of their unbelief, they were cut off. And that benefited you. The focus is on you. It is now the age. It is now the times of the Gentiles. That's the terminology that's used in the scripture. But then he goes on and he says, but they'll be grafted back in. And if their return... If their, if their removal meant blessing for the world coming to Christ, what will their return bring? And I'll tell you, it will bring the thousand-year reign of Christ and the fulfillment of all those things that the Lord had promised Israel. It's going to be glorious. I don't know how people do it who have no faith in God, who have no hope beyond this miserable little short life. Life is so like, like that. It's it just so quick. 
You know, the older you get, I'm going to sound like Father Time now, but, you know, you, 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 you live and, um, you know, our, for Tracy and I, both of our parents are gone, you know. Tracy's dad was the, kind of the last one, and he went home to be with Jesus a number of months ago. And, and so the dynamics change, you know, and, and we kind of look at each other and say, well, if the Lord tarries, you know, we'll probably be next on the list here, you know. We're going to kind of fall in order there. And you have friends that have died and gone on, and, and some of them have placed their faith in the Lord, and you rejoice in the fact that, you know, uh, they've just departed, they've just moved, you know. They're, they're now with the Lord, and that's where every true child of God longs to be. That's the longing of our heart. We want to be with him. It's not that we have a death wish. We have a life, you know, passion to be with him in his presence completely whole but I think of people who don't have that hope I don't know I don't know how they do it it would be very hard so many struggling people so many confused people um, week sheep did a concert last night and so we were down and a bunch of people from the church came down in support, and it was wonderful. I didn't hear much of it because um, I had two very demanding young girls, Fiona and Annika. It's too loud, you know. <laughs> so we went out to the truck and watched cartoons. Um, but as we were down there, you know, it's just interesting because you know, it's not a Christian concert. It's just they're, they're doing their music. And if you've ever listened to Mario's songs, you know that they're Christ-centered. And there's a, you know, they ended with a song, I Have an Intercessor, you know. And we kind of came in for that last song. And um, I'm looking at these people that just kind of came to the concert. And just their response, you know, they're, some people, they had their eyes closed and they're listening to the music and the music was pleasing to their ears. And I wondered, are they getting, are they getting the mess, who the intercessor is, you know, and things like that. And you just kind of look around and you see so many people that are conflicted. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to go into detail, but there were just some weird things there. It was sad. It doesn't make me mad. It just makes me sad. Because I look at people and I say, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Can I remind you that, um, you know, I, I'm asked this from time to time. Um, we went up to Leavenworth a few weeks ago just for the day with some of our family. And... Um, and so the family, you know, they like to go into the stores, and I like to find a bench, you know, to sit out and <laughs> wait for them to come on out. And, and um, so I'm, I'm in this conversation with this couple, and, and we're going back and forth, back and forth. And, and so um, one of my daughters came out, and she says, oh, uh, Dad, did you, do you know them? I mean, because the way you're talking, it sounds like you've known them for a long time. And, and I said, no, no, I don't know them. I said, they just walked by, and I said, hello, and they responded. And I, I said, you know, babe, there are so many people 
that if you're just friendly, because our world is so stinking weird, isn't it? I mean, everyone has a chip on their shoulder. It's like no one wants to even say hello to somebody. I, you know, sometimes when I, like, I'll walk, I'll walk down by the beach, and I kind of play this game, you know. Uh, I'm coming up on someone, and I'll say, will they or won't they? And I'm always, and if it's a, if it's a woman, I always go off the sidewalk, because I don't want to look like a creep, you know. I go off the sidewalk into the street, and I always say, hi. And sometimes it's, and sometimes it's the men more than the women. It's just weird, grumpy old Guys, I almost said it. You know what I was going to say. But you know what? People respond when you're nice. Same thing happened last night. You know, we're in this place where they were playing, and one of my other daughters came up, and she said, oh, Dad, do you know him? And I said, no, I don't know him. She goes, well, people talk to you all the time. And I said, babe, if you just talk with people, I mean, you could find out so much about people in a very short period of time because I think people are hungry for some sort of interaction. And I'll tell you, it gives us opportunity to share the hope of Christ with people, you know. Guys, Jesus warned, and I'm out of time, But Jesus warned that it will be a time of deception. If anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. Listen, Jesus is coming back for his church. And uh, I hope you're ready. I hope you're part of his church. I hope that you've placed your faith in him. I hope that you've acknowledged that you're a sinner and that your goodness, there's nothing you could do to achieve or to merit a right standing with God. But he's done it all. He came in the flesh Jesus Christ, he, the Lamb of God, and again, you might say, I don't even know what that means. That's why you need to be a student of the Word of God. You need to understand the Old Testament. We don't unhitch from the Old Testament. We know the the Old Testament so that the New Testament makes sense to us. But he took away the sins of the world, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Have you placed your faith in him? Do you know, guys, I think that many people are living in shame. They look at their lives and they say, well, I've I've done too much. I've gone too far. I've wasted too many years, you know. Do you know that none of that will matter? The moment you surrender your life to the Lord. Because the Lord is the one who restores the years that the locusts have eaten. We've seen this. We've seen it so many times in our life. Lives that just seemed, you know, beyond repair. And then Jesus. And then you look at that same person years later and you say, man, you don't even seem like the same person. And the reason they don't seem like the same person is because they're not the same person. They've been born again. They've been born of the Spirit. Let me read this, and I'll end with this. You guys, come on up for the last song. This is in Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Listen, this is what God says. Declaring the end from the beginning. Guys, that's what Bible prophecy is. Bible prophecy is not this fearful thing. Oh, I hate it when we talk about that. Listen, I would be afraid of it if I thought I was going to be here for it. 
declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Place your faith in the Lord. Live for him if you are his. Guys, it's not enough to just simply, you know, I'm, I'm saved, you know. But to live your life for him. To make your life count for eternity. Those of you that came out for that, that teaching on the millennium. You know, we have a future. And how we live our life today has an effect upon where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing in the millennium. So make it count. Stop looking back. Stop thinking you've gone too far. That's kind of a bizarre, twisted kind of pride. Thinking that you've gone so far that the Lord can't forgive you. Call upon the name of the Lord today. Believe in him and he'll save you. Let's stand together, please. Father, we pray that there would be things that we could take home with us. I pray that the gospel, just that, that they would believe and receive and walk in you in that newness of life, that that would surely be received and applied to each life. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy. We pray, Father, for those that are suffering. We pray for those that have medical issues that they're dealing with right now. We pray for Kelly Lawson. We just pray, Father, as she goes on for further tests, we pray that the doctors would be able to see the things they need to see. But Lord, first and foremost, we pray that you just bring a healing to her body. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.